are in a series called Life Hack. And essentially what a life hack is, is you take something that's been right under your nose all along and you begin to look at it completely differently and, and, and you pick it up and use it. And so each week, as I promised, I would show you a new life hack. Um, and so this week is no different. Last week I showed you how to uh, remove egg yolks. Uh, separate egg yolks and egg whites with a little uh, bottle. This week, I want to show you, you know how you, so these power strips and stuff like it, they have these holes on the back. And if you've ever tried to make the holes in your wall or whatever, um, oftentimes the distance between the two circles isn't like, Normal. It's like a diff- there's always like a sixteenth of an inch weird or something like that. And so, um, you know, maybe for those of you who are like super handy, this is a no brainer for you. But for those of us who are not, I found this life hack to be very uh, awesome. You just take a photocopy of it, and then that becomes your template that you put on the wall. Of course, make you know. Don't put it like that. I mean, make sure it's there. And then there you go. And you just put, put in the things and it works out really well. So that one is not as labor intensive as trying to get egg yolks separated from egg whites. But again, you just get to go to work tomorrow and you're like, oh yeah, I know how to put that up. And you're just like, take a copy of it. You're done. You're the hero. Um, so, but that's a life hack. You just take something that you didn't expect or you do look at something a different way or whatever. Well, the Bible has, is filled with life hacks. It's filled with things that are right there available to every single person that if we'd only open our eyes or we'd only see it in a different perspective, namely God's perspective, you'll have tools that you'll be able to uh, use that usher in more of the kingdom of God into your life. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. And this morning, we're talking about a hard one, okay? This morning, we're going to talk about forgiveness, And here's the problem. If you need to forgive, that probably means you've been wounded, okay? So so right off the bat, I'm telling you, you are going to be hurt by people. That's just the way it is. We are all broken. The Bible teaches us that. We, we are all flawed. And when we get together as humans and in different relationships and in different ways, and if you choose to have relationships with people, you are going to get wounded. And so what happens? How do we uh, get past that? And the reason I know we're all broken is because, and we've said this before, is that we, we tend to, not you guys, but lots of people I meet other than you, we tend to underestimate what we've done to someone else and we overestimate what they've done to us. I'll tell you how this manifests itself, and if you have a brother or a sister, or you have kids or whatever, this is how it manifests itself. You take two kids, I don't care if they're in the same family or not, and you put them in the back seat of the car, and you start driving someplace long, okay? Over the course of time, one of those kids will touch the other kid, and, we'll, that, and that's, that's a major infraction, by the way, okay? Just touch not slap, not nothing, just, just touch. And then that other kid, because they're created in God's image and they're just beautiful human beings, will slap the finger of the first kid. So you touch me, I slap you. You bring a knife, I'm bringing a gun, okay? Because that kid, all they did was touch him and got slapped, shoves that kid. Because 
that kid had no right to slap their finger. All they did was touch them. The kid who gets shoved decks the other kid in the jaw because you shouldn't have shoved me. All I did was slap your hand. Okay, so you can can kind of see it going. And my family, the way this plays out, we have three angelic children. Uh, not, not, but, but one of them, uh, one of them's an instigator. Okay. To be quite honest, I'm not going to tell you her name, but, um, but, but she's an instigator and we'll just call her Emily. And, um, (laughs) Emily will do stuff to the other cherub that we have. I won't tell you his name, but, um, but and so, so she will instigate. So she'll make a little noise or do something or go, eh, you know, like just get. Okay, so she's an instigator. The other cherub is an escalator. Okay, so whatever it is, and you might, you, this might be your, by seeing you guys laughing, you know this family dynamic. This is just how it goes. If you have one instigator and one escalator, you've got a combo, okay, on, on your hands. And we were just laughing about this. They, they don't do this uh, much st- anymore because they're older. Um, it's just like once a day now. Um, and, and so uh, one will instigate and one will a- a- escalate. And so but, but why is that? What, what, I mean, we all understand that. Like they do one thing and it has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden from the other room, you'll hear the most blood curdling scream, like, like we're being robbed or attacked by aliens or uh, being disemboweled or something is going on. And when you trace it back, it started with just one little touch because we're just as humans, we're not good at evaluating what the person did in connection to what we did. It's just, it's just very, very hard. When I was in college, we had this game we'd play called the punching game. And uh, whenever you take um, more than three young males, uh, the games are never good, okay? Like, like, Males, young males with too much time on their hands, uh, they come up with really stupid things. And the punching game was one of them. And this is the way it would work. One male would find another male and go, hey, you want to play a punching game? Another male's like, yeah, sure. And so the other male, the first dude would just punch the guy in the shoulder. Then that guy's, bear with me because the rules are really complicated. That guy will punch him in the shoulder. And then he will punch the other guy in the shoulder. And then that guy will punch the other guy in the shoulder. And the game goes on basically forever until one person just goes, oh, okay, I can't play anymore. Oh, and, and, and there you go. So, so here, let me just tell you what happens in, in the human mind when playing this game. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this around the Bible in a second, okay? If I'm playing the punching game, and I hit the person, I want to do it so hard that the game doesn't go very long and I win. That person might, it might just kill, but they have a chance to get me back. So they don't want to call it quits until they punch me, hoping that I'll call it quits. Well, now I feel like I need to punch them back because they just hit me and it goes on and on and on and on. Unfortunately, this is a lot of our relationships. Because it is just hard to determine value, to determine justice, okay? Because we're broken people. Uh, 
in the Bible, um, and we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 18, uh, one of the examples that I used about a year and a half ago as it relates to this idea of, of not forgiving and holding on to stuff was, was this picture. This, um, when we go and we fix up homes in Garden Grove each year, many times um, the person is struggling with, with um, the sickness of hoarding. And so I show you this picture, not to draw attention to this particular person's house, but, but what's, what's fascinating to me is when you begin to go in and say, oh, well, you don't need this, they'll start telling you a story. Oh, oh I, I need that. That was my, my nephew left that here. He needs a thing. And, and, and you go, okay, well, what about, what about this? Oh, no, I, I, I have to have that. That's really important to me. And, 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 and it's, it's so funny. From the outside... You and I are really good at determining value, are we not? Like we can say, oh, no, don't get rid of that. That thing's gross. But when it's reversed on us, what do we say? You you don't understand. (laughs) That's important. And we do this when we get wounded too. Have you ever been talking to somebody and they're telling you about their evil spouse and they're telling you stories and you're like, I just did that last week. <laughs> like, it's not that big of a deal. And, and then the person's like, they're Satan. They do this on purpose. They're trying to destroy me. And you're like, that's just lie. Like, like for them, it just feels so important. And then for you, it's like, that's not really a, a, a big deal that, that much. Have you ever felt that? What is that? And, 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 and could it be that when we are wounded, that there are other people that oh, they don't value our wounds? We had one hoarder uh, very early on when we started fixing up houses. And um, in her garage, she had this thing wrapped in butcher paper, like you'd get from a butcher or like from a meat store. Oh, anyway. uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, on it, they put that sticker that tells you how much it weighs, what the price is, what's, what it is, and the date, and the date. Well, we had found this butcher paper wrapped up with the sticker still on it from three years ago, and it was fish. Now, you can just take this home with you, but... You're not supposed to keep fish for three years in butcher paper. So that's just a free thing for you to take home. And so, so, so here's the thing. You and I, because we're super smart, we, know, we would look at that and we would say, not only is it trash, it's dangerous. We need to throw it away. She wouldn't let us. She had a story, and that was important. In the exact same way, Your heavenly father looks at you as you hold on to these wounds, as you hold on to these hurts, and he says, that is not only not good for you, it's going to harm you. You need to put it down. Well, how do we do that? Well, Jesus told a story that kind of gives us some insights that I want to look at this morning for a little bit. Um, This was just the, I put these other pictures. There was the backyard um, and then this is after we got done with the backyard, um, just, just clean it up. And you, you kind of, you kind of can feel what that looks like, you know, f- feel kind of the tension and the disorder. And then you see that and this is, this is just an example of what God wants to do in our lives. It's not like he doesn't want us to have things. It's that he wants, he wants it cleaned out. And then this was the front of the house. And then that's, that's when we got done. But, um, uh, let me just set this up. We're in Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, 
And what's happened is Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God. And here's what Jesus believes. Jesus believes that you can have a life that has the fullness of the kingdom of God in it. Bob was talking about some of those fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Bible says against those things there is no law. That, that is like, that is the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. As a matter of fact, one time Jesus prayed, Father, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That was his goal. That was his prayer. And that's what he was teaching his disciples. That's the thing you want to be praying for. And so Jesus was talking about the kingdom. And he used, he used some really weird analogies. He said this, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to this effect. The kingdom of God is so important in your life that if your hand is getting in the way of the kingdom of God, cut it off. Just get rid of it. You don't need it. You, would, you should rather have the kingdom of God than your hand, right? You know, that, that's strong language. He takes it one step further because, you know, they were probably like, this is weird. And he's thinking to himself, you think that's weird. If, if, you, if your eye gets in the way of you experiencing the kingdom of God, gouge it out. You got two of them, okay? So you don't need both. It's better to have one eye, he says, okay? then miss out on the kingdom of God. He says this. He says, God is so concerned about the kingdom of God that if there's, if there's 99 people experiencing it and one is wandering off and, and missing it, he's going after that one. That, that's, that's how important it is. So Jesus is, is talking about the kingdom of God. Here's the other thing we know about Jesus. He wants us to be free. He does not want us in bondage to anything. And so this is really important, okay, because we're going to look at some sections of Scripture that are really harsh, okay, that it looks like, looks like Jesus is saying, you know, you might need to hit the road, you know, but you have to understand the, 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 the um, difficulty of the, of the Scripture comes from what Jesus is trying to get us to do. He's trying to get us to do something very hard, in order that we can be free. And so he uses really strong language. So just to, to understand that. And here, here's the other thing. You can write this down if you want. It's just one of my first points. Forgiveness, not justice, is the pathway to restoration. Forgiveness, not justice. And this is why it's so hard to forgive, because it feels unjust. It feels like that that's the thing we're going to want to go for is justice. We, so someone wounds us, maybe at work, maybe someone takes our job from us, or we were going to get that promotion or whatever, whatever. And, and there's this infraction, and we want justice. And it just feels right. But here's the problem. How do you weigh? We've already shown it's really hard for us to know how much we've wounded as opposed to how much we wound. And so there's a really good chance, like the kid in the back seat who got, gets poked, he's thinking, justice, slap. They're thinking, I just got slapped, justice, shove, right? The same thing goes with us. It's just hard for us to, to weigh the scales right. And so what we're going to see is that Jesus is going to say, forget about the justice part. We're going for forgiveness. So here's what happens. Here's how it, here's how it plays out. So Jesus is talking about all this kingdom language. And then P, 
Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, some people think Peter was showing off and trying to be, you know, smarter than everybody, but we don't know that. Peter might have been thinking, thinking about this kingdom stuff as Jesus is preaching, going, you know what? I think the thing holding me back from experiencing the kingdom is forgiveness. I just have this thing against this person. I can't even look at them. Maybe they were sitting there with Jesus, right? And he just look over and just, oh. And there was something that God was doing in Peter to go, yeah, you know what? We can, we can move past that. So maybe Peter was really struggling. And maybe Peter was like, man, seven times. Because the rabbis during that day said three. Three times was their way that you forgive. Once kind of our like three strikes, you're out rule. And so Peter's thinking to himself, okay, seven, okay? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And depending on your translation of the Bible, this could either be 77, like seven and a seven, or it could be 70, seven times, which is like 490. Here's the thing. You're like, well, which is it? Because I really need to know because my husband's up to 76. And if I could just need one more, you know, if it's 490, that's a little bummer. So just come on, give me, what, what, what is it? Here, here, here's the thing. The number doesn't matter. This is Jesus's point. Okay. If you are keeping, if, if Peter came to Jesus and said, it's 490, Jesus would say, no, it's 1090, right? The, the number isn't the point, you know, because Peter, he, he wants a number seven times. Like, I'll write it down. And Jesus is like, no, Matthew's already writing it down anyway, but don't worry about that. Uh, it, it's not about the number. And so some of you just got that, right? That's great. So, so what Jesus does is this. He sits on this because, because he knows, like you and I do, if we get a number, what, what do we want? We want justice. So I'm going to go to 77, and then by 78th, I get my justice. I get to do whatever I want. And Jesus is like, no, 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 we're not going to sit on that. So here's what he says. This is interesting. He starts off and he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, so get, get this. If you don't get anything else this morning, get this. Peter asked how many times I should forgive. And Jesus seems to be about ready to make the point that to the extent you forgive, you will experience the kingdom of heaven. Or let me reverse it. If you can't forgive, you're going to be missing out on some key parts of the kingdom of God. That's hard. <laughs> That's tough. And so, but I wanted us to not miss that connection. The kingdom of heaven is like, and so here's what he says. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to s- the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So let me try to give you an idea of what 10,000 bags of gold is. One of those bags is called a talent. And that talent was 20 years' wages. So think to yourself, you owe me 20 years of your wages 10,000 times. Right? I mean, that, that's, that's, Jesus just picks crazy numbers. I mean, it, as a matter of fact, they're so crazy. Like, the first thing you think of is like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, can I borrow another 10,000? Like, like how, what happened? Like, how did, it, how did it get that bad? Well, Jesus is trying to make the point. He can't repay. The, the sum is astronomical. Now, 
What he's trying to get us to understand is if you want the kingdom of heaven to be fulfilling, uh, uh, being full in your lives, you're going to have to act like the kingdom of heaven acts. And so he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts. A guy owes him probably about $2 billion. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So this guy has to go home and tell his wife, hey, honey, remember that gambling problem I had? Well, we're going to fix it by selling you into slavery and all the kids. You know, it's like, that's awkward. What's Jesus trying to do? He's trying to get us to feel the gravity of when you owe more than you can pay. And even, even today, I'll bet some of us statistically in this room, we have credit cards where when we get that bill, it's just a reminder of, oh, I just feel sick. It's just, I, there's nothing I can do. And so this is where this guy's at. And so the king says, okay, we're going we're gonna to sell you guys into slavery. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He cannot. Like, like be patient with me. I need 10,000 20-year salaries. It's going to take a little bit, but just be patient with me. It's impossible. This is what Jesus wants us to see. Now, in the same way, it is oftentimes impossible for the person who wounded you to pay you back. Because what we want is to get to pre-wound status. And we can't. We're wounded. There's no way that person's going to get us back. Now, now here's what I want us to understand. I'm not trying to minimize what has happened in your life because I know a lot of your stories and some of it is really, really, really bad. Okay, so I'm not trying to say, oh, just get over it. Oh, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. As a matter of fact, I'll make the case this morning, it's worse than that. Because here's what happens. You take their hurtfulness and you combine it with your brokenness. See, so, 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 so in other words, let, let's, say, let's say, for example, I had, a, I had a wound underneath my leg. And you came up and you, and you went like that to my leg. And I'm like, ah, oh, what, what are you doing? I had a, you know, a gaping sore there, whatever. What you did to me wasn't that big of a deal. But because of my brokenness, it was a big deal. And there's no way to determine which is which. And so even if you could somehow get to the person and say, you need to make it right, there's no way to determine what that figure is. And here's what happens. We say things like this. I just want them to apologize. That's, that's what we say. Not you guys, but I've heard this in my office before. I just want them to apologize. And I'll say, I'll say, well, did, have they ever apologized? Oh, yeah, but they didn't mean it. Like, how, how do you know that? Oh, I could just tell. Okay, so wait a minute. You said, all I want them to do is apologize. They did but they didn't mean it. So what you really mean is, I, I want them to apologize and mean it, okay? Okay, well, they apologized. I think they apologized and meant it. Well, that's because I told them to. They should have come up with that on their own. Like, 
Okay, so hold on. So they need to apologize, mean it, without being told. Like, yeah. See how we get down this slope of, of like, how am I supposed to know if you mean it or not? That's impossible. Again, what, where are the scales? What, what is it? And so uh, getting back to the scripture, he says, I'll pay back everything. You can't pay back everything. Uh, for example, a father leaves his two-year-old kid for another woman. And so that kid is with his mom, and they've spent the next 10 years just struggling. Okay, so he, he loses a decade. The dad comes back, and he says, I'm really sorry. How is he going to give that kid a decade back? He can't. And some of you have lost stuff in your life, innocence, dignity, whatever, that was robbed from you, stripped from you. How in the world is someone to be able to pay that back? They can't. And this is where this servant is. So what do you do with people who can't pay it back? He says, uh, servant, master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This is an incredible series of events. Because the taking pity on, I could understand. Okay? So, oh man, poor guy. I'll tell you what. Instead of $2 billion, you owe me like $1.8 billion, okay? You know, uh, you only owe me $1 billion. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. He can't, he can't pay it back. You know, you owe me, oh, instead of $2 billion, you only owe me a million. Okay, thanks for taking pity on me, but I still can't pay. So then he does the next thing. He cancels the debt. Can you imagine? You call your credit card company. You say, look, I just lost my job. I know I owe you $30,000 or whatever. But can we, like, renegotiate it or do whatever? And the person on the other line goes, oh, you lost your job? Oh, delete it. Don't worry about it. I took care of it. Like, could you imagine the feeling of that? Cancel the, cancel the debt. But he goes one step further. He lets him go. He could have canceled the debt and then brought up the debt every day. Like, remember that debt? Remember that debt that I cancel for you? Mm-hmm. Remember that? It was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. You owed me, what was that? Two billion? Was it billion? It was billion. That's right. Now, remember I canceled it? We do that to each other all the time, don't we? You know? He lets them go. Like, done. So, here's what happens. That servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, which was actually not a pretty large sum. It was about $10,000. So it wasn't just like chump change. He says, uh, servant owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Here's my main point for this morning. We'll see how this affects us in just a second. When their hurtfulness combines with our brokenness, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. When, when their hurtfulness, and I, they might have done it on purpose, when their hurtfulness combines with our brokenness, it's an unpayable debt. They cannot pay you back because there's no way to figure out what they owe. It just your feelings got hurt, or I need, I'd like my 20s back, please. Like, what, what, what was you? What was them? Like, how did, how did all that work? When their hurtfulness combines with our brokenness, it just creates this insurmountable debt. And you can see it in this guy who, not he's owed $10,000, but he's going crazy. He's like choking him and 
going nuts. And here's what he says. This fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him and almost uses the exact same language that the slave used when he owed $2 billion. The fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. He probably couldn't pay it back. And man, if you could just wrap your head around the next verse. Because the next verse just... Fear that this isn't you. <laughs> Analyze yourself. Look at yourself. I, I, I do as well. I, I'm, I'm just like you guys. It, am I going to miss an opportunity for the kingdom of God to be manifested in my life because I refused? And that's what it says. He refused to have mercy. He refused to show pity. He wanted it all paid back. He wanted justice, which is impossible to get because you'll never be restored to pre-wounded existence. You will not ever. He says, instead he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt, which is always bizarre to me because how do you pay the debt if you're in prison? Like, shouldn't he have said, okay, well, go get a job or, I'll, or I've put a lien against your camel or something. I mean, just so, some way to, to do it. He puts him, he puts him in prison. That, that just goes to show me that there's something else happening in this slave. He wants, he wants revenge. He wants, he wants it all. He, he's come up with a thing of justice and this is how it's all going to be paid back. Well, you can imagine when the other servants saw that what had happened, they were outraged, as, as we all are, because we can always see it in everyone else. It's difficult for us to see it in us. They were outraged and, and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called in his servant. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had, had on you? It's hard for us to wrap our mind around how much we owe God. Isn't it? Like, it, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around the debt that has actually been paid. Like, like for our sin. And because it's so hard to realize the mercy we've been shown, and how we got away with it, it's so hard for us to extend that back. Because it's easy for us to know when we get hurt. It's hard for us to know when God gets hurt. And yet, our Heavenly Father would, would say, the kingdom of heaven says, take the wrapped up three-year-old fish and throw it in the trash. It's going to hurt you. As a matter of fact, here's what he says. In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Which again, okay, I, how do you pay it back when you're in prison? How do you pay it back when you're in prison being tortured? <laughs> like it's, it's impossible. Now watch what he says after this. This is, this is the harsh part I was telling you about. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. So wait a minute, Jesus. Because if I were there, I'd be like, excuse me, rabbi. <laughs> so you're saying, if I don't forgive this person, God's going to torture me. That's because that's what I'm hearing. Like, this is how your heavenly father will treat each one of you. 
if you don't forgive your brother or sister in the heart? What is that? Well, fortunately, we have an entire Bible, so we know God's character. Here's what God does almost always. He says this. That's bad for you. Don't do that. And I'm going to, and then you say, I want it. And he goes, go ahead. So, so here's what's happening. When you wound me or I wound you and we start to say, I want justice, we put out these scales and we want it to be even. But it's impossible. And so what happens is um, I get wounded and so um, I want everybody to know how bad that person is. So I go around telling stories and, and, and so I won't be satisfied until they know about that person, what, what I know about that person. And, and, and yet that's not enough. And so now I'm upset about that and then I, I have regret and I've got my own brokenness combined with their hurtfulness and it's impossible to figure out and it's torture, isn't it? Isn't it just torture to tr- going in your mind over and over again in stories and I can't believe that and going on Facebook and going, I can't believe they're smiling after what they did to me or what, whatever um, you guys do. Uh, but but it's, it's like that kind of stuff. It's, it's conversations with people who aren't even there. You're driving in your car and you're like, and another thing, I don't even know why. It's like, it's torture. And it's like we're afraid to give in because if we do, then they won't pay. Here's the thing. They can't pay. They can't make it right. When their hurtfulness is mixed with our brokenness, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. And it's torture to try to figure it out. And and again, don't get me wrong. I know a lot of your stories, and what they did was wrong. Many cases, evil. And again, many cases, worse, because you have your own insecurities and your own brokenness, and I do too, and all that kind of stuff. And so your heavenly Father stands there and says, the kingdom of heaven says, cancel it. Let them go. And let me worry about you. Here's what he says in Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And then that thing we want from justice, to go back to a pre-wound situation, which is impossible, your heavenly Father provides. He restores my soul. But the only way to get that restoration process going is to release your right for justice. The best model I can think of in the whole world and all of human history was when our Lord Jesus was on the cross, okay, beaten, bleeding, uh, uh, crown of thorns on his head, falsely accused, betrayed by his friends, just stressed out to the max. He's hanging there. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. If he can do that, if he's so connected to the kingdom of God, I think he's going to empower us to do it if we don't refuse. As Audra comes back up, Um, We're going to have a chance to do that. 
uh, right now. Even as I've been talking, you've probably been going in your mind with a couple people that have wounded you, and I'll bet those stories are bad. And your Heavenly Father says, look, I know they're bad. I know, I, I, trust me, I'm not saying that, that they're not a big deal. It's, it's an in, what they did to you is insurmountable. It's just it's such a big debt. It's impossible for them to pay. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just, you just come to me, and I'll take care of that, and I'll, 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 re, I'll, I'll repay. I would like you to be free. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Is, as um, Aju and Gary uh, sing a song, you, you, might, you might feel compelled to just come up to the stage and kneel and just say, you know what, I'm going to give this, this hurt, I'm going to give this pain, I'm going to lay it right here up on the stage, and God, uh, I, I just, I just want to let it go. I'll, I'll just real briefly give you what works for me over time. It's just a little prayer that I pray uh, as soon as I feel like I'm not forgiving. And it basically just has three little parts to it. It says, Lord, let me love them like you love them. That, that's hard. It's, it, but the, the, the theological concept that just blows my mind is while they were wounding you, God was loving them. Not saying, not, not uh, approving, but loving. I, I, I'd like to do, I'd, just help me love them like you love them. And then God also knows their brokenness. And he knows our brokenness. And, and so I, I say, Lord, let me love them like you love them. Let me see them as you see them. Let me see, let me see them for the, like, whatever that wounds they have that are causing them to do this. Let me see them as you. And then my last one is, and Lord, bless them. Because that's the hardest one. Lord, bless them. And just if I can get ahead of the curve and I'm just thinking about being a time when I was wounded or something that happened to me when I was a little kid and I think about that person, I just say, Lord, let me love them like you love them. Let me see them like you see them and let me bless them. That begins to help me just get the, the weight of all that. So maybe as during our time right now, maybe that's what you pray. Um, maybe you fill out your connection card for a prayer and just say, man, I'm really struggling with this particular way. I, I, my, my first spouse or whatever it is. And we can pray with you. Lord God, we uh, come to you this time and we uh, ask for strength, wisdom, courage. Uh, Lord, basically we ask that you would help us trust you to work the justice part out. That we just can't. And so, uh, Lord, help us to take pity on them. To cancel the debt and to let them go. We can only do that in your strength. In Jesus' name.